The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. So it's back to school time on Monday for most children, primary and secondary school, although I think some may even have gone back already. But it can be a traumatic time, not just for those who are starting in junior infants, but maybe for those who are having difficulties in their class, maybe if they've been bullied, for example. And often as well, Helen Vaughan, who's with us, our resident therapist from Manus Counselling. It can be difficult, can't it, also the transition from primary school to secondary school, particularly if you're maybe leaving behind the friends that you had in primary school, or find that in the transition, you lose friends. You do, and I think... People forget that that the difference between primary and secondary is immense. Like it's huge because you go from being the biggest in a smallish school to having one classroom, one teacher. Obviously, you've been with those students probably for years. So, you know, everybody to you're the smallest in a big school. There's probably way more students. It's probably a bigger school. You probably have a commute there. You have a new uniform, new books. As you say, you mightn't have friends. You have to move around different teachers, different subjects in different classrooms. So there's a lot to get used to. And I think any child will find they're worried about it, even if they're not an anxious child, if you know what I mean. So I think it's good to be aware. Just notice any changes in behaviour of your child. Talk to them before starting so that they know this is a big change and they might find it difficult. Because the thing with anxiety is it's a fear of the unknown and going to a new school, any school, primary or secondary, there are a lot of unknowns and yeah, they have to learn. There's an awful lot of people you might know. Your class might be full of people that you haven't known. But even if they, it is full of people that you had maybe been to primary school with, as I said, they may not remain your friends. These things no, change. And that's one of the things that's really hard through adolescence is that friend groups can be very clicky and very, there's lots of rules, there's lots of social weirdness going on. And I think, you know, from 12 onwards, for girls particularly, their confidence plummets by the age of about 14. For boys, it goes down a bit, but not quite so far because there's so many changes physically and emotionally through adolescence. It's a really difficult time. Anyway, then add a pandemic, add struggles with friends, social anxiety, anxiety in general, changing school. You know, there's any family issues, any other issues. And what about bullying? And bullying is huge. And I think it's a really hard thing to deal with effectively for any child or adolescence that's bullied. The effects are so deep. You know, they're so, they're struggling anyway with all the changes going on for them. And then if they're bullied, it's, I don't know, it's so subtle and so awful that I think, and a lot of young people don't tell you the parent or they don't tell the teacher or they're ashamed or they just feel so bad about themselves. They don't feel they have the right to be heard or to be understood. So they don't say anything. So it goes on for longer than you become aware of it. And possibly made worse or has it by social media because from what I hear is that it's just the straightforward in-your-face bullying which can still be more upsetting to a lot of teenagers. Yeah, I've had a lot of clients who talk about, you know, they they texted me this or they texted the group that or they put this on TikTok or whatever app they're using or I saw them all at this and I wasn't invited. You know, there's so much that they see that we don't know about as parents and that's the part that I, I find hard as a parent and as a therapist because there's so much going on for them on top of their daily going to school, having lunch with who, walking home with who, going to after school whatever with who. You know, there's just so many layers to it and I think the key is to talk to your child or adolescent 
to hear them, to try not to problem solve for them too much because that takes away their ability to work it out for themselves. And I think the key is to really hear them and go, God, you sound sad today or you sound frustrated or you sound, you know, name their emotion rather than saying, why don't you do this or why don't you say that or why don't I talk to Billy's parents or don't jump in and fix, just listen. Might there also be an issue that when children are smaller, when they're in primary school, if they are upset, they'll cry. But as they get older, Children are afraid of showing their emotions for fear of being mocked for doing so. They do. I think from the age of eight or nine, they become self-conscious about other kids and what they'll think. But you might find that your child is acting out in different ways. Their behaviour is unusual or they're oppositional or they're cranky or they're not sleeping. You know, if you notice any changes in behaviour or kind of mood... Don't be afraid to ask them and to put words on it. Don't be afraid to ask them if they're anxious or they're worried. Yes, Don't should, think you'll give them the idea of being that. So should parents be looking out over this weekend if the children are going back, of whatever age they might be, be a primary or secondary school, just keep an eye out over the weekend to see what the mood is like about returning. Definitely. And talk to them about the knowns that you do know. So take some of the unknowns out of it, like their trip to school. Go there, do the trip, do the walk, do the cycle, do the bus, whatever it is so that you're taking out the unknowns, meet with friends from school before school goes back so they have someone to talk to. You know, there's lots of things you can do as a parent to remove some of those unknowns. Talk to them about how they're feeling, whether they're worried and keep checking in with them every day or every few days you might find you're annoying them. But just see and if they want to open up, they will and if they don't, they don't and that's okay too. Yeah. How do you find the balance? Because there's a phrase that has come in over the last couple of decades, helicopter parenting, I think that's what they call it, isn't it? Of the parents trying to swoop in and do everything for their children not leaving them enough freedom, perhaps, to find their own way on things. Which doesn't work. I've heard of it being described as like scaffolding, that we build scaffolding around them rather than helicoptering over them, which you might say, geez, that sounds like the same thing. But I guess what you're trying to do is things like let them develop their independence, particularly now with the little ones going to primary school. My oldest is starting primary school. You know, help them to recognise their own name so they can go and hang up their coat or find their chair or find their table. Help them to go to the bathroom on their own, put on their coat, put on their shoes, take off their shoes, take off the coat, open their lunchbox. So we discussed this on the programme yesterday and a study in relation to that. I mean, how important is it that parents take the responsibility of preparing their children like that rather than leaving them in a situation when they get into junior infants that the teacher spends their time trying to do that with the children when they shouldn't have to? I think that's huge and that's the point I'm trying to make is that you try to empower your child to do things for themselves rather than you do everything for them and then they go to school and they're kind of like, well, I don't know how to do this because I've never done it myself. You know, that at any age... Try not to problem solve for them too much. Talk to them about what options, what could we do about this child in school who's not particularly nice or you don't get along well with? What could you say to them tomorrow? What could you do differently at lunchtime that you didn't do yesterday? And let them figure out solutions so you're not handing it to them. You know, you're letting them learn to figure things out, try different things, see what works. And hopefully they learn how to do it the next time rather than you'd be like, I'll talk to Johnny's parents and I'll tell them what I think. Although it's not easy for all children, is it? There are some children who do struggle with things like that. They do. And I think it's that's about talking to your child, hopefully, and figuring out if they're struggling with something, will they talk about it? The other thing with teenagers, and I work with them a lot, is that sometimes if they're anxious or they're stressed, we never get to the why. 
what's happened. Like after the pandemic, there's been a huge surge in terms of teenagers with need. I think it's something like one in four, are in, this is global study now, was showing symptoms of depression and one in five was symptoms of anxiety. So there's a huge anxiety surge in terms of what I'm seeing. And often you won't find out why they're anxious going to school or why they don't want to go to school. But as a therapist, I can still work with the anxiety and help them understand it. And sometimes understanding the physical, what happens in your body when you're anxious and why anxiety does that helps them take the fear out of it. So they're not scared of the anxiety as well as whatever's bothering them at school. Let's just switch it away from the children to the parents for a moment, because I'm taken by the fact that you say that you have your eldest starting junior infants. What about parents, mothers and fathers who become anxious about the separation from their child? Well, then come and talk to me about that if that's what's bothering you. But Obviously, this to isn't you. going to happen to you because you've it all thought out. I have, then. it'd be fine. <laughs> well, I think the thing is to be aware of your own feelings and think about what's going on for you. What are you anxious about? Is it the fact that they're going out into the world without you and they'll soon have be learning things that aren't in your control? Do you know what I mean? It's like kind of letting go in a way. But it's being aware of your feelings. Try not to pass them on to your young person so they're not picking up so the reason on I, your anxiety. The reason I asked this, my late mother used to tell the story about how when I was dropped to primary school, that I literally ran in, delighted, without looking back. And she was the one who was more upset almost by the fact that I was just flying into it. Which is funny because that is hard for the parent. But then at the same time, that parent's done a good job because that child is independent enough to know he wants to go and learn and do stuff. And he's like, see you later. You know, my child was like that going to preschool. She walked in, didn't look back at me and I was kind of like tear in my eye, but ah, so I was happy for her. <laughs> you were tearful, so yes. I, well, I don't think I'll be this time though. I'm kind of, you've got to be happy for them that they're ready. You know, they've reached the age where they're ready to go and learn and be social with other children and learn all the things that aren't academics. You know, all the social stuff, independence, self-esteem, working as a team. I do feel for the teachers, though, having like 26, four to five year olds to themselves for the next year. You have some practical advice. I'm interesting about things like bracelets and little stones. And you have reasons for why you talk about them as sort of like crutches almost, are they? They can be. So these are things if you've got a young child. They could work for a teenager as well or a 12-year-old going to secondary school. So you can put a little stone or a pebble in the child's pocket and they can put their hand in their pocket and think of you if they want to rub the pebble. It can give them a little bit of security or put a heart on their wrist and put it on your wrist as well and they can look at that and rub it if they need to and think of you and you can let them know that you'll be thinking of them too. So there are ways to kind of ease that separation anxiety or put a, they can wear a bracelet that has your name or their name or whatever. You know, so again, they can touch it and think of you. There's brilliant books things like The Invisible String is a really good good one which talks about having this invisible string between people who love each other you know that keeps you connected even when you're not together or there's another book The Kissing Hand and that's one where you put the heart on your wrist or on your hand you know and these are all ways for your child to feel connected to you when they're not with you and also try to be swift in your separation when you drop them in. Don't keep going back to checking them and you know hovering above like a helicopter above their desk go in, drop them, leave, you know you You've done it before for preschool, probably, you know, so continue the same routine and just try to be smooth. And as the children get older as well, to give them their independence to travel to school on their own. If they're ready to, yeah. Like yeah. it's building, again, building a routine that they know that they're secure. And I remember... Sorry, I'm not suggesting this for junior infants now yet, but I mean, there does come a stage in primary school, depending on where you live, where you have to trust the child to make their own way there. 
But as they're figuring out what they're ready for, like I was sent to school in town from the north side and I remember at 12 being petrified getting the train on my own because I feared I wouldn't be able to open the door. Do you remember you had to lean out and open the door by the handle outside? And I was petrified I wouldn't be able to do it and I'd be stuck on the train. counselling now, Helen. Well, I just think it's checking what your child's okay with and for that child is who's 12, find them someone else to get the train with if they're nervous. Or my friend's child, he was so ready. Like she would look out the window and he'd be gone out the door to get the bus by himself and she'd just woken up, hadn't even heard him get up and have breakfast by himself. So that child was ready. I don't think I was, but anyway, it's too late for that. But it's figuring out what your child needs and if they need support, great. If they want to do it by themselves, fabulous. They might meet a friend down the road and off they'll go and happily ever after. Hopefully. Just to finish up, is there any other recommendation that you can make? Something that you think people should just consider over the weekend before their child of whatever age goes back to school on Monday? I don't know. It's kind of a boring one, but I'm like, can you build a routine? Try to get sleep back to no, that's important that's because particularly as well, if maybe children have been playing too many video games or if they've been on YouTube too much. Are the kids in my road are all out playing till nine or ten and I'm like, lads, that's school good, next week. I know, but next week, will they be able to do that and get up at half seven, no. eight o'clock to go to school? I don't think but so. But that's part You're of... such a grumpy old woman. <laughs> but it's trying to get them back to the routines of maybe not going to sleep at ten or eleven, trying to, you know, depending what age they are and how much sleep they need, trying to build a good routine around sleep, taking the phones off them an hour before bed. Off all of us, we should all be doing that, you know, and trying to have good sleep hygiene. So trying to get the routines back and have ideas for school lunches. I know it's horror, but anyway, do your best. Let them make their own lunch. Helen Vaughan, therapist of Maynooth Counselling. Thank you very much for joining us here on The Last Word of Today FM. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here.